pretty please don't you ever ever feel like you're less than fucking perfect pretty pretty please if you ever ever feel like you're nothing you're fucking perfect to me Hey, sweet baby, welcome to Love Life Skills for Leaders, where we heal the past, love ourselves unconditionally, and start our love lives over from a clean slate every damn day. I'm Candace Harper, relationship coach and hypnotherapist, and I help high-performing perfectionistic people overcome loneliness and create meaningful, intimate connections. This is a mature conversation for powerful people who want to have their best possible love life, whether they're single or coupled. Stick with me and learn why loneliness isn't contingent on whether or not you have a partner and how loneliness can be cured from the inside out. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're watching or listening. Hi, sweet love. Welcome to another week of Ask for Candy. Hi, everybody. Oh, my goodness gracious. I always miss you every week. I'm always happy to be back. Today, I might sound a little like like I have a I feel like I have a slight vocal fry, a little bit of a like exhaustion fry. And it's not that I'm actually exhausted, but I don't know. You know, how sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you're awake for a while, and you might go back to sleep, but if you do go back to sleep, you wake up even more tired than when you went to bed. I kind of had that kind of moment last night. You know, you could blame it on the menopause, which, you know, I don't know for sure that I'm completely in, but I do feel like I'm I'm skirting. I'm skirting on the edge of it. The peri, the peri menopause. But that's neither here nor there. I'm still fabulous and living fine, and that's the important thing. So today I'm talking about the secrets that make us feel unworthy of love. So it's the running theme and it usually is the running theme with clients each week or each month. I just, you know, I don't know if there's something in the ethers, if there's something in the energy of the air. Many clients, myself included, will often be dealing with the same challenges or the same issues or um, the same things will be coming up. And the theme this this week, this month, has been a feeling of unworthiness for love, that disbelief that the love that I want is available to me, that I'm enough for it, that I'm not somehow an outlier or different than other people and, you know, somehow undeserving or invisible. Like all of these things have come up with clients this week and, um, you know, and all of these things come up on a regular basis, but it seems to be very frequent right now. And I don't know if it's just something that people are are feeling more than um, normal or if it's something people are becoming aware of that they're feeling more than normal, because this is one of those things that is a lifelong feeling until we transform it. This idea that I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable, I'm, I'm you know, uh, not enough for the things that I want, the love that I want, what I truly desire. And so I wanted to talk about some of the secrets that we harbor, the secrets that we harbor that fuel the idea that we are unworthy of love. Because often we think that it's the secrets themselves that make us unworthy. So if I have financial debt, 
I am then not good enough for someone or someone who doesn't have financial debt or, you know, I am unworthy because of that thing. But what we we miss is that that thing is because of my thoughts of unworthiness. So the reason that I want to point out some of the secrets that we harbor is because I want us to get to a place where we can look at those secrets. Some of mine I've shared in past shows. I'll share a couple, you know, on this show, but that we can look at those secrets and alchemize them the way that we view them. Because the only reason that those secrets hold us back is what we make them mean. And what we tell ourselves about them, the shame that we're harboring about those secrets, what we believe about ourselves based on those secrets. I had a a woman years ago who wanted to rent a room in my apartment, and I found out when I did a background check that she had a DUI. Now, I personally don't judge her for that because I know we go through different stages as a younger woman. We go through different stages in our lives where we're not doing the most responsible things and you know, uh, trying to make decisions, but because of that and a, a number of other things, including her credit or financial history, I couldn't rent the room to her because I needed somebody who I knew I could rely on for sure. So it wasn't a moral judgment of what she was doing. It was, you know, she was a stranger. So I had to make a wise financial decision. And her response was viscerally angry. Like she just, you know, really was very angry. And a lot of that had to do with just emotional immaturity, but also because she had shamed herself so much for those things. And in as much as my heart went out to her and I felt emotionally, um, I understood because I myself have made mistakes that I've been ashamed of and still do. I also had to make a wise financial decision and she couldn't make the distinction between the two because her emotions were so tied into how shameful she felt about all of it, right? So that's where healing needs to happen. It wasn't the things themselves that caused her her uh, unworthiness. It was her belief that there's, you know, that she's to be ashamed of it and it's a horrible thing. Now, There's a difference between feeling ashamed of it and knowing that you got to take responsibility for it and rectify it in order to have the things that you want and have other people to be able to trust you or, you know, have an understanding of who you truly are. And the only way to get to that avenue of being like, I can take responsibility for this, I can do the cleanup and I can, um, you know, communicate it in a way that it no longer has to hold me back. It's something I don't have to be ashamed of. It's something that I don't have to be worried that other people will judge me for because those who judge me for it aren't for me. Right? I already wrapped it all up. But what I do want to do is talk about the examples of some of these things because I think we're out there uh, just kind of unconsciously letting these things rule. I know I've done it. I've unconsciously let certain things rule how I navigate relationships, how I interact with other people, even relationships with my family. You know, things if I haven't told them things, you know, it does uh, influence how I navigate with them. Now, that's not to say there's not some good reasons for why you might not want to tell family things. Sometimes family can sometimes be an unsafe place for our secrets. And that's totally understandable, especially if they have their own secrets and their own stuff that they're dealing with. But I say all of this to say... That, you know, it's those things that we 
uh, tell ourselves are so shameful that we can't share that actually um, indicate how our relationships are going to go with other people and whether we feel like we can trust other people. Like when we have secrets, we assume that everybody has secrets. And when we have dark secrets that we're ashamed of, we, we assume that those we are in relationship with also have those dark secrets that they're ashamed of. And so there's always that level of being suspect that you can't trust that person. And we want to move all those things out of the way. Now, I'm not, you know, naive enough to think that if you just tell all your stuff, <laughs> it'll be easy and wonderful and your life will be free. Now, yeah, in a in a perfect world, we could just talk about whatever it is, wherever it is, whenever it is. It would never be appropriate. We'd never inappropriate. We'd never have to worry about it and we could just say whatever. We know that's not the world that we live in. We know that people will judge us for things. We know that there is danger in uh being an oversharer or or being, you know, what they call too vulnerable, which you know, too vulnerable is definitely something to be discussed as well. Like can you be too vulnerable? Well, you can if you don't know how to allow things to unfold. If you don't know how to allow a relationship to unfold. I was talking about this with a client yesterday about the difference between bringing your representative to a date and understanding that that you bring yourself and you allow things to unfold in a healthy way, which is very different than being your representative. Your representative is trying to make someone believe things about you. Your representative is trying to put on this good false face that everything looks good and everything is perfect. Your real vulnerable self just knows that a relationship has to unfold and that trust has to be be earned and that you know, finding out whether someone is a safe place for your secrets takes time, but you can still be 100% yourself without vomiting all of your past all over someone, especially the things that you're ashamed of, right? See, this this conversation can go in so many directions, (laughs) but the important thing is that I came up with five main things that any maybe any one of your secrets could possibly fit under. And if you don't hear your secret in here, don't worry about it. Like if, as long as it's something that you feel that sense of, this is what is keeping me from being in a deeply committed relationship. And some of us are in relationships and we're keeping those secrets. And so it's, it's hindering the relationship from being as deeply connected as it can be. Some of us are single and not in relationships. And we're saying to ourselves, I'm not going to be worthy of the love that I desire because I have this secret, because I think this self, this thing about myself. And that, that was me for a long time, not during my purposeful single phase. After my, my violent relationship, I took a purposeful single time. And yes, there, there were some things where I was like, you know, those are scary things. And whoever I get with is going to have to be really um, open and understanding and not judgmental when I share these things with them. But previous to that violent relationship, I was like, these are my secrets. I'm holding on to them. They're locked down. I don't care. I'm not telling anybody anything. And so that set me up for a relationship that had a lot of um, you know, just privacy abuse and, uh, uh, someone who I, you know, I attracted someone who, for whom my secrets were not a safe space, but a, an alignment with who they were. Cause they had a whole lot of secrets, a lot of dastardly deeds and things that they were up to that, you know, I, for the most part had no idea of, like they let a little bit leak and the rest of it was, you know, horror show. 
So, you know, we attract who we're being at any given time. And so, of course, if you have secrets that you don't want to tell and you're by yourself, you're single, you're, it's very scary to think about the prospect of getting with someone, sharing that secret, and then having them reject you based on whatever that secret might be. And so if you're in that place right now where you have something about yourself where you're like, I'm afraid that if this person knew this thing, they would then reject me. So if I get too close to anyone and I share with them and they reject me, I don't want to go through that pain. It's perfectly valid and understandable. But like I said before, what it's about is getting to a place where I'm no longer shaming myself about that secret. I'm no longer making it wrong for myself. Therefore, no one else can make it wrong. So if I'm not, if I don't find a sense of shame about it, Then someone else who says, oh, I can't be with you because of X, Y, and Z, I can say, okay, then you are not aligned with me. And that's okay because I'm not ashamed of X, Y, and Z. X, Y, and Z just may not be right for you. It may not be something that you can be with or that you can hang with. Just by the same token, you're going to have to, you know, be accepting about certain things in another person. Right. And it's funny because the less accepting we are with ourselves, the less accepting we tend to be with other people as well. So we just like they can't make a single mistake when we are guarding our secrets and our mistakes and guarding the things about us that we shame. I know it's a paradox wrapped in an enigma. It just in a catch 22, it just goes around and around and eats itself. But let's talk about some of the things. And, you know, I'll even share some of my things. This is a public forum, so I'm not going to share all my things. But as a side note, with my um, uh, group coaching, the LLC, the Love Life Leaders Club, you know, one of the exercises that we'll do is a confession container, a safe space, so that if you want to share, if you want to get it off your chest, because there is so much releasing of pressure and healing that comes with being able to share in a safe space, I will be creating that kind of safe space for people who want to share and people who want to bear witness and also be, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, have a non-disclosure, a discretion about other people's share who wants, who want to hold space for other people who want to share. You know, I think there's a lot of healing. And first of all, finding out how many people have similar secrets, how many people are judging themselves about the same thing, but also understanding that you're not the only one. You're not the only one who has something about yourself where you're like, if anyone ever knew this, they would reject me. If anyone ever knew this, they would think I was unattractive. If anyone ever knew this, they would think I was unworthy. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about these different possibilities for things that you might be keeping secret. And then I'm going to talk about what to do to begin the healing process, to get out of the story of shame so that it it no longer has to be a dark secret, that it can become something that as you're getting to know a person, you're willing to unfold for them and you're willing to do it safely and healthfully with the understanding that they may or may not be able to align with it but being able to have a conversation with someone where it's still a loving conversation and you might have to make some hard decisions but it doesn't have to be as painful and as scary as you might be thinking it is and it could save you a lot of pain in the end you know people finding out things or um you know just being in a situation where you feel suspect You know, all those things that come along with having a secret that you don't want to tell. And if you're in a current relationship and you want to, you know, get all the shame out of that secret so that you can start feeling worthy of the true intimate connection that you are entitled to, that we all are entitled to. I want you to start feeling worthy of that. You are worthy of someone to see you. And I talk about this all the time. 
you know, love you for your strengths and accept your weaknesses, forgive your weaknesses. And, you know, we do the same for others. That's what a relationship is to relay, to see each other, see intimacy, see into me, to actually see and accept and love someone with everything that comes along with them. Because there's no one out there who is perfect in the sense that they're, you know, checking all the perfect boxes and doing all the things right. I put in air quotes, you know, because first of all, what is right for you is not necessarily right for someone else. So, you know, there is no there's no guidance for what that's supposed to be. There's just society's rules and trying to socially fit in, which we know that is not necessarily the road to health. (laughs) All right, before I digress again, because you know I can't help myself sometimes, let's get into some of these things. So number one, you know, number one possible secret is physical anomalies. So if you have physical things about yourself that you may be keeping a secret, and you know, for myself in 2013, I came out as bald. Yes, I came out as bald. I de-wigged myself in a YouTube video, and um, it took a lot for me to be able to do that. And I don't say that in a victim way, like, oh my goodness, I've been through so much. Because I know that many people have been through, you know, much more serious things. But just as an example, like it took something for me to do that. And after I did that, after I like diffused the shame out of it, because I was so ashamed of it, I was so ashamed that I let it get to that point. I was so ashamed that that's what was going on with my body. You know, even though I'd seen doctors and, you know, no one ever gave me a real diagnosis, it it was a source of shame for me that I didn't even know why it was happening. But I finally had to get to a point and it took, you know, a lot of healing, a lot of healing conversations. It took having a coach. It took being in communities where it was about personal growth and transformation. It took emotional maturity to be able to say that as soon as I accept this thing about myself, those who are right for me will accept it as well. And so, you know, I came out as bald in 2013. And even though I still, uh, you know, on an everyday basis will still wear wigs or, you know, when I go on camera, things like that, I still am a wig wearer because I like wigs. I like changing it up. I like being glamorous. I like flipping my ponytail. Even though I still do those things, I'm very open about the fact that I'm bald because, you know, it's not something that I feel ashamed of anymore. It's not always my favorite look. I mean, there's days I get up and I feel fresh and I feel beautiful and I don't mind walking around with a bald head. And then there's other days where I feel like I'm looking a little tired, looking a little rough, wouldn't mind a little hair to cover this over. And that's just how I feel day to day. But I'm very open and candid about the fact that I have a bald head. I've admitted it to, you know, anyone I'm dating right off the bat. I, you know, make sure, you know, when I was on dating profiles, there's at least a couple of pictures, you know, either bald or with a wrapped head or whatever. But, you know, I make it known. I put it on my social media. You know, there's, if you look back in my Instagram, you'll see me with a bald head. And it took something for me to get to that point because I was so ashamed and private about it for so long because I was afraid that those who would judge me you know, wouldn't want me and because I didn't realize that they weren't right for me if that was the case. Even if I didn't have a bald head, if you're with somebody who can't be with you, if your head was bald, you're with the wrong person. If you're with somebody, because what if you get cancer? What if you get in an accident? What if you something, God forbid, you get scalped by a machine or something like that? You know, God forbid anything like that ever happened. But 
let's say it did. You want to be with someone who would be like, I don't care whether you have hair. (laughs) And there's, you know, I don't know what the percentage is on people that are like that. But if you're not with somebody like that, you're with the wrong person. If you're with someone who's like, baby, if you didn't have hair, I wouldn't want you. You're with the wrong person. But there's other things about the body. You know, it could just be that you have fat in places that you don't like, you know, like different deposits in different places. And you just don't like the way certain things about your body look. You might have scars from maybe physical trauma or surgeries or, you know, if you you broke something at some point or had to get stitches or you know, there might be scars somewhere on your body. You might have ever had an illness or, you know, I know when people get colon cancer, they might have a colostomy, like if they get a colostomy bag or have to have, um, you know, surgeries where there's, st- there's stitches different places. Women who've had C-sections have, have a, you know, a scar. Um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for why the body might have certain anomalies on it. You know, you might have something that you were born with, some sort of birth defect you were born with. I don't even like to use the word defect. I should say, you know, like a birth difference that you were born with. So with all of those things, it's easy to go into that headspace that because I have this, I'm afraid for someone to see it, to know it, to see that part of me because I'm afraid of the rejection that might come along with it. And so again, the idea is how do I heal my belief about it? How do I heal my shame around it? So that if I'm not shaming it, those who are right for me, they won't shame it either. And trust me when I tell you, people only shame within us those things that we shame within ourselves. People are only successful at shaming within us what we shame within ourselves. Number two, financial mistakes and debt. So a lot of times that can be a big secret, right? So so many of us have student loans. I know for me, like just having a student loan, and especially at this age, still having a student loan balance, like I, I for a long time said to myself, I'm, I'm not eligible to be married to anyone because I don't want to, you know, bring that to anyone, and I don't want anyone to judge me for the fact that I have it. And I kept making it such a thing, making myself so ashamed of it, not even realizing that being ashamed of it is also what hindered my being able to take responsibility for it and fix it and pay it down and figure out what I can do to overcome it. You know, like that story that I was telling myself that something's wrong with me. Meanwhile, it's like a huge percentage of the population in the United States has a student loan debt. And so, you know, if something like that, or maybe you've had a bankruptcy in your past, maybe you've been through poverty, maybe you're going through poverty or a period of brokenness in your life. Right. And so for most of us, a period of poverty or, you know, brokenness in your life, you know, generally means that you might not be eligible for dating in a way that, you know, society expects. But the willingness to just be upfront and honest about what that is and what's going on with you around that. Like one thing as an entrepreneur, I've gone through times of just sheer brokenness and I've gone through times of like lots of abundance and sometimes that you know fluctuates it goes up and down so you know I had to get to a point where I just understood that it's I can't shame myself about it I'm on a journey and I have a mission and I have a vision that I'm creating and that's what what is more important than whether I have the cash to take a trip at any given time and that's important as well but I can't shame myself for the times that I don't I can't shame myself for, you know, when I'm not able to be as financially free as I was when I worked in television, because that's just, 
that's just what it is. You know, I made the decision to become an entrepreneur. So, you know, for me to have a shame about it, that will actually hinder my ability to make good choices. Any bad money decisions that you've made in your life, you know, low low earning or, you know, even being high earning, but if you have unsustainable spending habits, you know, being someone who did work in television, I've worked around a lot of professional women, you know, a lot of professional women make a lot of money, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing smart things with it. So if you're not doing, you know, things with your money that are sustainable and workable, you might be telling yourself, well, I can't ever... Uh, get in an intimate relationship and and be spending the way that I'm spending. And that may on a lot of levels be true. But if you're shaming yourself around it and you can't just be upfront and honest, whoever is your potential partner doesn't have the opportunity to work with you on it. Because when we're honest and, you know, we've taken the shame out of things, generally speaking, someone who has found that they already care about us, you know, as the relationship is unfolding, will want to say, well, what can I do to help? How can we partner? And that's a good litmus for whether you're dealing with somebody good as well. Somebody who's willing to say to you, well, how can we partner? What can I do to help? And if you're like, oh, just pay all my bills. I mean, understandably, that might not be for everybody. (laughs) There are some people out there that would do that. You know, but if you're looking for that in somebody else, then you're looking for the wrong things. What you're looking for is somebody to say, how can I support you in taking responsibility for what you need to take responsibility for when you're at that place? When you're like, this is what's going on with me and I'm, you know, working out solutions and I want to work out solutions. And I also want to be able to have a relationship with you and have us be a healthy relationship. So I'm putting this all on the table so that you're aware of what the situation is. And I'm open to whatever suggestions and support you want to offer because that's what relating is. That's what relationships are. Relationships aren't I'm perfect, you're perfect, and we do everything right so we get along. Relationships are I can see where you feel you are failing. I can see where you feel like whatever it is about you is not good enough. And I can see where you are doing your work and I can recognize and appreciate that. And so I'm here to support it. I'm here to partner with you. I'm here to partner with you with filling yourself up as you partner with me with filling myself up. And we understand each other. We understand that we're here to be that support for each other. That's a relationship, relaying, relaying, communicating, understanding, accepting, accepting y'all, not looking for what you do for me, not what I can take from you. Going on a tangent. All right, my third one, STIs. So sexually transmitted infections, especially those ones that you cannot get rid of. Herpes, genital warts, HIV, and even past infections. A lot of times, and I have a couple clients that are doing this, where it's like they hold it close to the vest, understandably, because there's so much shame around these things. And there's so much misinformation there's so much, um, you know, people in denial of it. So that's why they spread so much because no one wants to admit it and no one wants to talk about it and have the conversations about it. But if you are holding yourself back from full intimate connection because you feel like you'll never be able to share this with someone, if you're holding yourself back from really allowing yourself to get to know someone because you feel like you'll never be able to have a conversation with someone, trust me when I tell you, you are the one, your belief around that is the thing that's stopping you. Because you can have a conversation with someone about it. That's not to say that they won't say, look, I can't 
deal with it. I can't do that. If you tell them that you have, you know, an STI that you can't get rid of and they're like, you know what, I can't be that. I can't be there for that. That's not, you know, what I'm down for. And as much as that can be painful, it has to be okay because that person is not going to work for you. And it has to be okay. They're within their rights to want to want to not take the risk. And you're within your rights to share with them and to understand that the person that is right for you is either going to be willing to take the risk or they're going to, to have it themselves. <laughs> and so then, you know, there's no risk of anybody getting further further harmed. I mean, I have a friend who is HIV positive and she got married, I would say, almost 10 years ago. And her husband was not HIV positive, but they took the precautions. They took the proper medications. And because he loved her so much, they partnered together. And everyone can get to that point. There's a cap for every bottle. And and yes, it does provide a challenge that if it weren't there, your life would be so much easier. Maybe there would be some other thing that you'd have to deal with because that's just how life works. So if that is your your story, if that is your secret, then it's how do I alchemize this secret so that I really can find someone? I mean, sometimes when we have these secrets that we think are so horrible, what they actually are is an opportunity to find and attract someone who really has character, right? To find and attract someone who really wants to be there for us. And that can be an amazing thing. It's just we have to be willing to to do the work and risk hurt. And I know that's not easy, but nothing ventured, nothing gained. I know that's so cliche, but it's so true with love. The more you are willing to unfold yourself and be vulnerable, the more you are you will attract that in other people, the more you will be able to discern whether somebody is good or not good for you. I'm not saying you got to go and, and bullhorn all your business in the street. I'm not saying that it doesn't feel unsafe to just tell anyone things about yourself that you are shaming. But the less you shame it, the easier it gets, the less people have power to shame you. Number four, emotional or mental trauma. So past hurts, sexual abuse, mental challenges that may or may not have you on medication or even spending time in observation. You know, sometimes people have have had to, you know, be in the hospital based on emotional challenges, mental challenges that they've had. Or just your traumas, traumas that you may or may not have worked through with a therapist. Hopefully, if you've worked through it with a therapist, you are on the road to releasing the shame around it. Hopefully, you know, that that's the work that's being done with you. If you've not talked about it with a therapist and you have some sort of past trauma, some sort of past pain, some sort of past hurt, a sexual abuse, a physical abuse, you know, the encouragement is to get into clinical therapy, number one. But number two, if you haven't yet, you know, think about what road you need to go on in order to be in the space of healing that for yourself, healing your shame around it, healing your resentments and the pain that you may feel. Otherwise, you, you, you know, we perpetuate our victimhood when we refuse to do our work around it. And it's like, oh, it's not fair. I didn't do this to myself. Why do I have to do the work? So this is life. What life does is it sends things our way. It throws things our way. And the purpose of those things is to grow us into who we, we potentially can be, to grow us into our best possible selves. And for some of us, it takes us down. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? 
There's nothing wrong with you if you feel taken down. It, ha- it happens to the best of us. We go through periods and seasons in life where we sometimes feel taken down by things. And sometimes they take us down so far that we don't, don't feel like we can ever get back up. And some of us don't ever get back up. But the, our purpose here, the reason that we're here, the, the sort of framework of life is to take what is given to us, to experience what happens to us, And be able to make a choice with what we want to do with it, what we're going to do with it. And the reason that I do the work that I do is because I believe so vehemently that we all are capable. And it makes me emotional even just talking about it. I believe so vehemently that we are all capable of taking these challenges, these traumas, these horrible, horrific things that happen to some of us. And alchemizing them and turning them into our greatest triumphs. And I don't say that lightly as if, you know, everyone's expected to do that. But when we can, when we meet a person, when, you know, and and that's what happened for me. I was fortunate enough to come across people and situations that, that helped me to take what was trauma, what was uh, you know, what I thought would be such a, a challenge, an emotional challenge that I would never get over and show me that I had the strength to do it, that I had the power to do it, which is why I do what I do, because I want us all to know that we have the strength and the power to do it, to overcome these things, to heal these things, to use them as an opportunity to become our best possible selves so that we can attract all that we desire and live the best possible life that we can while we are on this earth. It's the whole reason that we're here. There's no other reason than to make the most out of this life with everything that we are given, the good and the bad. Number five, y'all, you got me getting all emotional up in here. I don't know what that's about. Blame it on the menopause. <laughs> but no, it's actually, it, it's just actually how I feel about it. Number five, past relationships can be something that we keep secret or, and what transpires in past relationships. Sometimes we shame ourselves around that. We make ourselves feel, feel stupid around, you know, decisions we made, partners that we chose. You know, I had a domestic violence situation and... You know, it took and the reason that I stayed single for a long time after that situation beyond, you know, the physical healing that I needed to do, the emotional healing that I needed to do. I had to get to a point where I was not ashamed anymore that I made that kind of choice. Right. I had to get to a point where I wasn't telling myself a story of, oh, you're so stupid, shaming myself for feeling unworthy or having a low self-esteem or not feeling good enough or not understanding my worth. I had to get past that point where I was doing that in order to be able to share that about myself in future relationships. So what when I say future relationship, like the relationship I'm in now, to be able to talk about that past relationship or even talk about it on my podcast because I was talking about it on my podcast long before I even got in a relationship because I did that healing work. But I had to get to a point where I was not putting myself down about it anymore that I understood that, that that I attracted that person when I was in a place in my life where I was treating myself that way, where I was violent with myself internally. So of course, I attracted someone who aligned with the violence that I was committing on myself. And by violence, I don't mean that I was even physically hurting myself. I wasn't cutting or anything like that. That's just a manifestation of how violent we can be with ourselves. So if you're out there hurting yourself or cutting yourself, just know that you're just manifesting the violence that's going on on the inside. It's that addiction to being able to hurt and heal yourself. 
But the violence that I was committing against myself was just the putting down, the being a perfectionist, the nothing ever good enough, that something's wrong with you because you're bald. Something's wrong with you because you have financial debt. Something's wrong with you because you made mistakes in the past with people that you that you dated or that you were with. You know, something's wrong with you because you can't control your anger. Something's wrong with you because you, you know, you you have a messed up relationship with food. Something's wrong with you because you gained weight. You know, I had all those stories and I was just constantly hard on myself about it. And it's a violence. It's a violence. Right. So it's so easy to attract someone who is physically violent when we are that way with ourselves, when we're so harmful to ourselves. And the other side of that, either attracting someone who is like that with us, is that we attract only people that we can keep at arm's length. Like I have a client I was just talking to and she said that was the way she coped with it, is attracting people that would never be a possibility. Right. Because I be, I feel unworthy of having the real love that I desire and, you know, I treat myself as unworthy. So I attract people who are, they would just never be a sustainable possibility. They would never be good for me. They'd never be anybody that I'd want to open up to or that I'd have to open up to. So I never have to go through the cycle of hurt because I, I just knew from the beginning that they weren't going to work. Right. And how many of us do that? So many of us. I've been in that stage as well. I went from doing that to attracting people who treated me as violently people one person in particular and and maybe one before that who started to show signs of that but treated me as violently as I treated myself physically you know as I did emotionally so yeah those are just some oh and you know another one with the past relationships having been someone um who maybe was married or been with someone who was married or, you know, committed to someone else. Sometimes we shame ourselves for that and um, continue to do it anyway, but, but have a shame story around that. Or having been scammed, you know, those of us who date online or um, meet people online or even meet people in real life. Like sometimes that can be a source of shame, you know, just uh, listing out some of the secrets we can have. And you may have many, many more. And one thing I will say is if you want to get it off your chest... I mean, that's what I'm here for. Even if you just send me a, a a reply email when I send out my newsletter, if you're on the newsletter, you can do that. You can DM me and say, you know, let's have a consultation. Let's have a chat. And, you know, I call myself the vault. I have been since way before I was a coach. You know, I I consider it a trust and an honor when people share with me. And so I don't have any impetus or desire to share anyone's secrets, identify anyone. I mean, I talk about things on the podcast, but I would never, I keep everyone anonymous. Um, and even though I'm not clinical, so I haven't taken a Hippocratic oath, I don't share what is told to me with my clients. It is completely confidential. So if you ever want to share something just to get it off your chest, I'm a space for that. And if, if not me, you know, find a space for that. Find a space for sharing. Like I said, when I um, uh, launch uh, the Love Life Leaders Club, officially we will have a section within the group, within the membership, where I will do a session. And I'm thinking about maybe making it a regular session anyway and just making it a confession container, particularly for people who want to get things off their chest and release the shame. 
All right, so what to do? Three things to do. Go on a forgiveness journey. Yourself, others involved, whoever needs to be forgiven in any particular situation, whether it's a past trauma, past abuse, um, you know, whatever, a financial thing, you're not forgiving yourself for the mistakes that you made, a physical thing, you're not forgiving yourself for if you somehow feel like you've caused a physical thing for yourself, whatever it might be. There's just such a myriad of possibilities. You want to go on a forgiveness journey around what you believe you might have done, what you feel someone has done to you. And forgiveness is not, like I say, it's not trying to be like Jesus and pretending like it never happened. It's me. It means that you are willing to release the insistence that the situation or the person should have been any different and that you're ready to release the behaviors in your life that are now hurting you based on that belief. So I, if I believe that someone hurt me and it should have been different, it should have been different, it should have been different, that's going to have an impact on my life. It should have been different. And so I'm going to start being in survival mode. I'm going to start closing myself off. I'm not going to allow you know, certain kinds of emotional interaction in my life. And what it's going to do is stop me from being able to have things that I want. It's going to stop me from being able to have deep level emotional connections. And so whatever happened to me initially is going to keep victimizing me over and over and over again because I don't have that forgiveness piece where it's not that I make it okay. It's that I recognize that it, it's not that it should have been different because should have is a myth. What is, is. And if you don't believe me, read the book by Byron Katie, Loving What Is. What is, is. There's no should, should, or shouldn't. The way we know something should have happened is that it happened. And that doesn't mean it was right. doesn't mean it, w- it was what we wanted, but that's what happened. And so it's within that acceptance that, that forgiveness lies, that I don't have to insist that it have been any different. It was what it was, and that's what it was. And now my task is to do what I need to do to make it that it's it's either an opportunity for me, it's a growth for me, it's in some way a positive that I can make it into something that actually works for me rather than something that takes me down. Number two, face the challenge head on and begin to do whatever you can to take responsibility for how it's affecting your life. So whatever your secret may be, it's the willingness to face it. It's the willingness to, and no matter how slowly, slowly you have to face it and look at it. You know, my financial mistakes, I look at them and, you know, a lot of my life now is rectifying those mistakes and I have to each day talk myself into it. I have to each day say, you know, just look at it, look at it, think about solutions, think about what's possible. And that is what has pulled me out of a lot of debt. That is what has turned around, you know, how I operate financially, what has turned around going from, you know, being evicted years ago to being able to actually support a roof over my head. Number three, experience yourself being able to release the shame and realize that your past is a part of what has made you who you are today, but you still get to define who you are tomorrow. So the more we are at peace with the ugly scars and the warts of our life, the more apt we are to be at peace with the imperfections of others and create a space for others to be at peace with us. It's reciprocal. It's relaying. It's relationship. It's you got to get at peace, at peace with all of it. Right. So that means releasing and healing the shame, letting go of the story that something is wrong, 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 wrong. 
We love wrongness. We love to make ourselves wrong. We love to make others wrong. And that's exactly the thing that keeps us from being able to have loving connections. And it can be a scary journey to embark on, but it is worth it for your freedom, your freedom to love the way that you deserve, the way that we all deserve. So I want you to get at me, find me, DM me. I'm at Candy Love Coach on Instagram and TikTok. You can go to bit.ly forward slash love life skills for leaders and end up, you know, you check out that page and then you sign up and, and you're within my sphere and you'll get my newsletter and you'll find out all the ways to join the club, the LLC, the, the Love Life Leaders Club and do this work. Because this work, this freedom work is what causes healthy relationships, is what causes us to be in relationship. And if you're out there single, holding on to these secrets, thinking you are unworthy, thinking you are unwanted, thinking that because you've never had it, you never will, this is for you. This is who I work with. This is why I do what I do. Because that's where I was. And that's where I am no longer. And now I'm in a beautiful relationship. And I can't guarantee that this relationship will last forever. None of us can. But I can guarantee that what I've experienced in this relationship so far is exactly what my heart desires. That I can say for sure. And and I can take it day by day and moment by moment and build the moments together with this person because I allowed myself to release the shame of the past. Does that mean that there's nothing I'm ever ashamed of anymore? Absolutely not. It's a constant journey. It's a path. It's a growth. It's, you know, it's, it's life. It's life's evolution. We're all at different stages of our evolution. But it's the willingness to go on that journey, be present to that journey, and allow ourselves to begin to heal. Heal the shame and let go of the stories, let go of the judgment, the criticism, the perfectionism, the not good enough. Like, ah, you'll just destroy your life with all of that. And I know, I know, I know it's messaging it. I know it came from somewhere. Usually it came from your mama, came from your daddy, it came from whoever raised you. And whoever you were around, usually, not always, sometimes people have great parents. But that's where, where the healing lies. This idea that I am unworthy, I'm unwanted, I'm invisible, I'm not like everyone else, I can't have what other people have, I'm not as pretty as people who get what they want, I, it's not available to me. It's all bullshit, my sweetheart. And I love you so much. That's why I can say that. Anyway, that's it for this week. It's been a pleasure. As always, it's been so much fun. I've run long. Join the Love Life Leaders Club. Let me know that you want to so I can tell you exactly how. It's a very exclusive club. Highly curated. There is an application in order to get in. And um, that's it. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Candy Love Coach. Tune in next week for another episode. I love you so, so much, my sweetheart. Until next time, keep being unapologetically lovable and give yourself grace. All right, I'm giving you a big, huge hug through the ethers. Take care now. Oh, there goes the tone. All right, bye now. Love you. Love you so much.